Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The first guest of the evening is truly a poet. He's an artist. He is a friend and an inspiration to anyone who I think who has ever played the guitar uh, or tried to write poetry. Would you please welcome Gordon Lightfoot. <laughs> Won't you reach out, love, and touch me? Let me hold you for a while. I've been all around the world. Oh, how I long to see you smile. There's a shadow on the moon and the waters here below do not shine the way they should. And I love you just in case you didn't know. Let it go. This is Carefree Highway Revisited, the show that celebrates the work of Gordon Lightfoot Song by Song, a proud member of the That's Not Canon podcast network. I'm your host, Mike Messner, and along with me today is a fellow Lightfoot fan from Black Branch, Virginia, Lawrence Burke. Lawrence, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Lawrence, how did you first get into Gordon Lightfoot's music? It was 1977, the very first year that I went on a fishing trip with my friends to Canada, to a little town called uh, Sealy's Bay in Ontario, Canada, along the Rideau Canal. And for the first time, I heard the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, and I just connected with Lightfoot right away from hearing that song. And since I was in Canada, and he was Canadian, that made it all the more significant to me. I'll bet. What do you like about Lightfoot's music in general? I am not sure who to attribute this to, but someone mentioned one time, Lightfoot music is the soundtrack of our lives, and I share in that assessment. Yeah, I think a lot of people have said that about a lot of different artists, but I know for me, some of my very earliest memories of my life are listening to Lightfoot's music. So in a sense, it really does figure that he would be the soundtrack of people's lives. Have you seen Lightfoot in performance? And if so, what was the most outstanding one that you've seen? Yes, I've seen him at least 14 times. And probably the greatest, there's three times that stand out in my mind. The first, I flew to Toronto in 2012 and saw him at Massey Hall, which has been called the Church of Gordon Lightfoot. And it was a great time up there. He was in good voice and he had a good song set. It was a great time, and I met quite a few fans. We had a pre-concert dinner at Green Jeans in a mall up there. One fan even came all the way from Brazil to see him. No kidding. Wow. Yes. That is impressive. Now, you said that was at Massey Hall in Toronto. I've seen the inside of that hall, and it is very impressive, and it's just intimate enough uh, for Gordon's music. Have you had a chance to meet the man himself? Oh, Yes. Tell us yes, about that. I met him for the first time at Massey Hall. I was trying to get an inroad and in how I could get to meet him. And a lot of people just said, well, wait outside the stage door. He always takes time for his fans. So that's what we did. Me and the uh, fans of Gordon Lightfoot page founder, Eric Horn, a woman named Elka Soros, who came from Brazil, as I mentioned, 
Uh, we all stood there and waited, and he came out, and he took time with each of us. And I gave him a birthday card, and I was just so starstruck by the whole thing. I, I couldn't even stammer out anything except happy birthday. It's kind of hard for me to imagine what I would say to him. And I don't know if it'll ever happen, but I've actually kind of rehearsed the things that I would say and hopefully get in a plug in for the, the podcast while right. I was at it. Well, today we're talking about Shadows from the album of the same name, the album that came out in 1982. And Lawrence, I wanted to ask you, why did you want to talk about this song in particular? Because it would be very hard to find a song that Gordon has written and performed that isn't wonderful. But why Shadows? Shadows just kind of resonated with me from the very first time I heard it. My late first wife was also a fan of Gordon Lightfoot. And we always enjoyed when he performed that song. However, in the mid-1980s, I believe it was, he just abruptly stopped performing it for quite a while. And we went to the Valley Forge Pennsylvania Music Fair to see him where he played there with the band in the round. And people were tossing notes up on the stage. So I tossed a note. I said, uh, can you play Shadows? And when he, he read the note, he said, uh, no, I'm going to give Shadows a rest for a while. And I didn't really hear him sing it again until the live in Reno concert, which I wasn't there, but I, I bought the CD. We'll talk a little bit about, you know, the frequency that he's played it a little bit later. I think for me, it's so beautifully written. It's got some amazing nature metaphors in it. I mean, shadows on the moon, shine on the water, the river that runs away from the mountains in the springtime. And although it's not 100% clear what his specific motivation was for writing the song, I can tell that he worked really hard on this. And this is not something that he could have written in five minutes. He probably took quite a bit of time in writing this. And of course, it's completely genuine the way all of his music is. And I don't have a particular anecdote about the song, but I can tell you that it resonated for me for the reasons that I've just mentioned. What to you is the best setting in which to listen to shadows? Time of day, location, activity, things like that. I think any time that you think about a situation in the past where you had a good love, you know, when you have those memories, it seems the shadows goes hand in hand. I know for me, when I lost my first wife in um, 1999, shadows all of a sudden took on a new significance for me. Yeah. Although Gordon wrote it for a completely different reason. After that loss, the song said to me, you know, like I wanted her to reach out and touch me, you know, where the river runs away and uh, things like that, you know. So it, it was quite a few years before I could really get through it without tearing up after that loss. Oh, I don't blame you. And I'm sure that your former wife was also very fond of the song, too. We'll be right back to our conversation with Lawrence Burke about shadows, but first a word from one of our podcast partners. Stepping away from folk music for a second, I wanted to tell you about Newsly. It's an audio app for iOS and Android that picks up web articles about the most trending topics on the web at any given moment and reads them to you in a natural human voice. For the first time in the history of the internet, the web has become listenable. You can browse articles from topics you choose and start playing the narration right away. And they have podcasts as well, trending podcasts from over 40 countries, including, of course, Carefree Highway Revisited. 
Download and use Newsly for free now from www.newsly.me or from the link in the show notes and use promo code CHR2022 to receive a one-month free premium subscription. That's www.newsly.me. I think for me, I would only want to listen to this song at night. And I don't know if I would be solitary and sedentary about it. Like if I'd be lying on my couch or listening to it, or whether I'd be walking my dog or just taking a walk around the block at twilight. But to me, it really is very much a song that can only be listened to appreciatively in the shadows or in some sort of relatively dark place like you get when evening falls. Let's talk about the genesis of the song a little bit. Lightfoot didn't say much in the book by Nicholas Jennings about the genesis of the song. In the liner notes to the songbook collection, he said, I was running back the lyrics in my head and I decided I don't really have anything more to say about it than there is in the song. Sorry. Lawrence, do you have any sort of angle about how this got written or what it was written about or for? Yes, I do. I found out why it was written, his reason for writing it and everything. I was told it in confidence, so I, I don't really want to expound on it. But if you look at the live in Reno concert, when he performs that song, you will notice that there was a look of anguish almost on his face. And I also read in some of your notes and said, could this be about Britta? And I will say this to you without saying any more. You're in the right church, but the wrong pew. And, and that's what I'll say to you. Okay. That's one I use with my students, which is you're in the right neighborhood, but the wrong house. So, right. okay. Well, clearly it's about someone who is returning from traveling or just not being around for a long period of time. And he's talking to an ex or to an old lover please look at me and summon up the emotions that you had for me at one point before I went away, whether they were dormant, whether they've died out, whether he's trying to bring them back to life. We're not completely certain from the, the song itself, but there's no real indication when you listen to this, that they've actually consummated this, that he has convinced her to fall back in love with him. So at best, we're kind of left to wonder, is that going to happen? But we don't have a definite conclusion to it. The other thing that I thought of as I listened to the song, and I admit I'm being a little cynical on this, was that is this somebody who's just lonely and needs somebody to be with and is writing this song as a means to an end? I mean, we've heard stories that John Denver did that with Annie a few times, that they'd have a great big fight and then he'd write her a song and then she'd come back to him. So I'm wondering, again, I don't, don't want you to violate confidences, but do you have any idea about the state of mind that he was in? There's one line where he says, is it wrong to be in love? Could this be the finest love I've ever seen? And that pretty much sums it up. Obviously, it's about a love relationship that he had that he wishes he still had. He was singing this as early as 1976. The song, of course, didn't come out in a record until 1982. And that's why I wondered why he might have been sitting, singing this for Britta, because he was unmarried in 76. And I'm assuming that he wrote the song about then. But as you said, he's probably talking about somebody else, you know, under those circumstances. Let's talk about the lyrics for a bit. 
Won't you reach out, love, and touch me? Let me hold you for a while. I've been all around the world. Oh, how I long to see you smile. Now, by this time, he's been a professional musician for at least 10 years, and he's done tours around the world a few times. So that's absolutely true, that he's drawing on his own experience, and he's indicating that he's missed whomever this woman is. There's a shadow on the moon and the waters here below do not shine the way I should. And I love you just in case you didn't know. Now, when you think about a shadow on the moon, it could mean that there's an eclipse. It could mean that it's just not a full moon, but it's not shining the way it ought to, depending on the cycles. Maybe there are clouds getting in the way. We really don't know. Waters don't shine unless there's light being cast on them. So maybe he's implying that the moonlight isn't as strong as it ought to be. But Lawrence, my question that I had for this particular stanza was, why would he find it necessary to say that he loves this woman? I mean, isn't that pretty obvious from the rest of the song? I think it's obvious to him, but maybe not necessarily as obvious to her. And that's why he says, and I love you just in case you didn't know. That's my take on it. No, I think you're probably on the right track for that. He was just being very overt. For me, it just seems like that is abundantly clear, but maybe he just wanted to put it down in black and white. Let it go. Let it happen like it happened once before. And he's asking for something to be spontaneous, because if you believe the idea that people fall in love more or less spontaneously, they don't necessarily plan to fall in love. To request that, to me, seemed a little bit ridiculous. I mean, how do you ask for something to happen spontaneously? I mean, don't you think that kind of implies that you're contriving something, which is the opposite of spontaneity? Oh, I would agree with that. Yeah. So it's beautifully poetic. It's just odd when you think about it in a concrete sequential side of way. We'll be right back to our conversation with Lawrence Burke about shadows. But first, a word from one of our podcast partners. Is that song really a cover? What instrument are they playing there? What do those crazy lyrics mean? If you're the kind of person who thinks about stuff like that, you're in luck because I've got just the podcast for you. How Good It Is chooses a single song each episode and takes a dive into the story behind the song and the artist who made it famous. I'm Claude Call. You can find me in your favorite podcast software or just point your browser to howgooditis.com. How good it is. It's a wicked wind and it chills me to the bone. And if you do not believe me, come and gaze upon the shadow at your door. Now, he's saying I'm cold. okay. and if we take that literally, that means that he's out in the wind someplace and he needs to be inside. He needs to be held by this person, warmed up by this person. And he's showing up on her doorstep as a plea for her to take him back or to take him in. This is a man in love, or this is a man who's very lonely. Which do you think, or do you think it's a little of both? Oh, I think that he probably is very lonely, and I think that the reference about um, it's a wicked wind and it chills me to the bone is possibly a reference to an unrequited love. Huh. So just the fact that it was never consummated is chilling to him? Is that what you mean? I think that it's... What he might mean by that is it's chilling to him that this particular person does not return his love. Okay, I I get it. Won't you lie down by me, baby, run your fingers through my hands. And I love that line because if you're running your fingers through somebody's hands, 
it means that you are eventually going to interlace your fingers with this other person. And that's a sign that somebody is with you. It's a sign of togetherness and a sign of support. It's why when you hear about somebody saying, you know, I will be with you and I will hold your hand through this. It's metaphor for saying, I'm going to support you through this. I've been all around the town and still I do not understand. Is it me or is it you or the shadow of a dream? And then the line that you cited a few minutes ago, is it wrong to be in love? Could it be the finest love I've ever seen? Well, that implies that he's loved many times and that he's still got feeling for this person, although it seems a little bit hyperbolic to say that, you know, the finest love I've ever seen. Well, we don't really know what he has to compare that to because he doesn't say so in the song. Set it free. Let it happen like it happened once before. And again, he's assuming that this person has some pent up feelings for him as well. Do you think he's right in thinking that, well, it happened for me, so it's got to happen for you? Or is he just praying that it will happen? Probably praying that it will happen because obviously history would be a lot different if it hadn't. So there's a repeat of the first chorus. Please kiss me gently, darling, where that river runs away from the mountains in the springtime on a blue and windy day. Lawrence, do you think he's talking about a specific place in his experience or their experience, or is he just imagining this really idyllic scene? I think he is speaking metaphorically. I just think that he's comparing this to maybe a natural beauty somehow or I like the idea that the river is running away. Do you think that's with the idea that they are going to run away with the river, or is he just talking about the movement of water here? No, I don't think he's talking about the movement of water. You agree with the idea that they're going to use that to escape to someplace? Maybe so, yeah. Where there's beauty all around as the shades of night grow deep, when the morning stars grow dim, they will find us in the shadows fast asleep. So again, now the shadows are a welcoming place. Um, And then the repeat of the chorus and then the song finishes up. It's just absolutely beautiful. And like many a song that Lightfoot has written, he says his piece and he gets out. He doesn't belabor the point very much. Right. The song was on Shadows. It's the title track to that album. That was his 15th album. As we said, it came out in 1982. Lawrence, what is your favorite musical aspect of the song? Oh, my favorite musical aspect of it, uh, I guess, would be from the very beginning when you hear the the keyboard intro by Mike Heffernan, you know, you're kind of hooked into the song. And then it just goes on from there. You know, it's it's very musically beautiful. It's uh, obviously a very, very underrated song. And on an underrated album. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, I'm with you. Whether it was Michael Heffernan or Robbie Buchanan, uh, because he also played keyboards on this album, it is the electric piano or the synthesizer. It was really, really tastefully done. It's a tone you don't hear in modern music very much. It was very popular in the 70s and the 80s. And it's a heartfelt ballad. This is not something that he did just to be commercial. This is not something that he did just to make money, because of course it's proven in the 80s that you can make money just doing things with just the technology. And it maintained its folk roots. I can hear this song being played without the keyboard, you know, with just 
guitar and bass, but the keyboard just makes it that more tasty to me. A lot of people played on this. Rick Haynes and Dennis Pendrith played bass on this. We don't know which tracks. Terry Clements was still working with Lightfoot. Barry Keane and Victor Feldman played drums and percussion. We've talked about Heffernan and Buchanan. Pee Wee Charles played steel guitar and dobro. Dean Parks and Patrick Miles played electric guitar. And Herb Peterson sang harmony vocals. Now, he didn't sing them on this, but Lawrence, as we're going through this, I don't remember too many other albums before this where you had backing vocals or harmony vocals for Lightfoot that he didn't dub himself. Am I wrong in thinking that? No, I don't think you were at all, no. I mean, I know he used the Jordanaires on Summerside of Life, but that's a completely different feel. It was 11 years before, bump, 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 bump. We'll be right back to our conversation with Lawrence Burke about Shadows. But first, a word from one of our podcast partners. Hey, do you like classic albums? Technically, like, the, you know, the 20th century albums, um, such as, like, Beatles, Led Zeppelin, <laughs> Rolling Stones. I've only had Beatle episodes so far, however, I'll be doing more. But welcome to my show, or rather, hey, welcome to check out my show <laughs> um all those years ago a classic album podcast with the dipping sauce um as you can see the here george harrison reference um i review classic albums um not of those the likes of beethoven the likes of the beatles and rolling stones and like i mentioned earlier uh or what have you <laughs> um so yeah check it out it's every monday um i do albums conspiracies songs all that jazz, so just check it out. All those years ago, a classic album podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> now, you talked about him playing that song and then giving it a rest. He, according to setlist.fm, he's played that song 686 times. And the first was long before the Shadows album came out. And most recently, he played it about 10 months ago at the Surf Lake Ballroom in Clear Lake, Iowa. He has not played it on the current tour, from what I can tell. You said that he played it at the gig at Massey Hall. Had he played it the majority of the other times that you'd seen him in concert? Yeah, um, he played it pretty much. He has a, a set list, as you may know, that, that, that he has for each concert, which with some subtle changes to it. I noticed that, like in the 80s, he stopped playing it. And it actually, and this is public information, he was doing a concert in Saratoga Springs, New York, in the mid-80s, and started to perform that song and couldn't finish it and left the stage. So uh, that's just about as far as I want to go with that one. You, know? you talked about an underrated song and an underrated album. The song wasn't released as a single. The album went to 16 in Canada and 87th in the U.S. It did not chart in either Australia or the U.K. The U.K. is not particularly surprising because Lightfoot didn't make a whole lot of impact on the charts in the United Kingdom, but it didn't chart in Australia at all. So I guess what I'm wondering, Lawrence, is how come the record didn't sell? I can't understand it. Um... And looking at the songs that are on, on that particular album, by the way, uh, that, that song also appears on the all live album, Shadows. That's right. It does. 
from that album, we have uh, 14 karat gold in my fashion, Shadows, Blackberry Wine, which is it's sort of like almost like a light rock song when you listen to it. Heaven Help the Devil was a protest song about the Iranian hostage crisis. And then, of course, Triangle, a very lighthearted nautical tune. So I, I really don't know. I think a lot of times life which music is not appreciated the way it should be. I certainly appreciate all of his music. There's a couple that I don't really go for, but I mean, as a whole, it's all good. Yeah. And I can't help but wonder if it was just the timing of it, because he hadn't had a hit for five or six years, although he'd continued to be productive and he continued to tour. And I'm wondering if it was just, he was just kind of a victim of the times that people had just gotten tired of that genre of music. Certainly you and I didn't, but I think maybe the tastes of, of the audience had changed a little bit. As you implied, the song was also recorded for Gord's Gold Volume 2 and then the 1999 Songbook box set. So he's tinkered with it as he is wont to do with some of his older songs. But it's also been re-recorded by six different artists that I could find. Before I list them, I do know that Bob Dylan has played it live, but has never committed it to vinyl or committed it to tape. But it's been recorded by Tim Dabbs, Bob Doidge, The Internet Tribute, Alison Krauss, Tom May, Tony Rice, and The White Knight Instrumental. Now, Alison Krauss would be perfect, I think, for this. Have you heard any of the other cover versions, and do you have any thoughts on them? Yeah, I saw the Alison Krauss one and also Tony Rice before he lost his voice performed it, you know, and uh, they, they both put a bluegrass spin on it. And it's it, it's a very, a very good cover by Tony Rice and by Alison Krauss. I, I really like them both. Okay, good. Who would you like to sing this song that hasn't recorded it so far from either modern music, people who are in a position to record it or anybody else in history? Well, as far as a modern recording artist goes, I maybe think that Lady Gaga might do one of his songs. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of hers, but I thought that she did the, the Sound of Music one time on TV, and I thought that she really treated that with reverence. So she may treat a Lightfoot song with reverence as well. And uh, another well-known artist I think could, could cover his songs really well would be um, Carly Simon, maybe. Hadn't thought about Carly, although she does have, you know, roots in the singer-songwriter tradition. I'd love to hear the Dixie Chicks do it because I would love to hear that tight three-part harmony that they do. I don't know if they're called the Dixie Chicks or not anymore, but I'd love to hear them do it. And as we're sitting here, I kind of thought that even Taylor Swift might be able to do a decent job on it. We may never see that happen, but it would be fun to think about. Lawrence, as we're sort of wrapping up here, let's say that you were in charge of Lightfoot's set for the current tour, and you had a front row seat to one show, and you could pick his opening song for that show. What would you pick? Hmm. I think I might pick Miguel. That's a very underrated song as well. That sounds like a good one. Okay, good. Now, Lawrence, you and I were talking about, before we went on the air about the Facebook groups. So I'm wondering if you'd say just a little bit about those and then tell our listeners where they can find you online. Well, there are several Lightfoot fan pages. Uh, Valerie McGee certainly has a, a great fan page. And it's, that's the first one I joined, in fact. And then I discovered another one 
by Eric Korn, and that's now called Fans of Gordon Lightfoot. I, I changed the name because there was a little bit of Eric, by the way, made me an administrator of that. Also, Mike McDowell's an administrator. And then there was Got Gordon Lightfoot, and that was started by a man named Dr. Jack Polidoro. And I logged on to that one day and I said, this site needs an administrator. Are you interested? So I volunteered and I contacted Dr. Jack and I asked him what's wrong. And he said he just didn't have any time to do it anymore. And then the other, the last group that I will mention is Gordon Lightfoot Gold. And that is run by um, a girl named Candy. The difference between her page and the pages I have are that she doesn't just have strictly Lightfoot on there. You know, she, she might have other things as well. Now, these are all Facebook groups we're talking about, right? These are all Facebook groups, yes. Okay, great. And they can find you uh, as the administrator of those groups? Yeah, those are public groups. Uh, anyone can find them doing a search. And Facebook has changed the rules where people are basically automatically admitted to the page, but their first post has to be approved by an administrator. Well, I can tell you that the groups on Facebook have meant a lot to me in my podcast journey and also just connecting with people who appreciate the man's music. So Lawrence, thank you for being on the show and thank you for providing those groups and giving me an outlet to talk about this great artist with so many other fans. Well, thank you very much, Mike. And uh, I really appreciate what you do on, on those pages as well. And all the other amateur musicians who uh, post Gordon Lightfoot covers and things like that. Because after all, the, the page is about the fans and about Gordon Lightfoot. It's not about us administrators, you know, and we, we want to see more participation. All right. Well, if anybody's on Facebook, please make sure and check that out. And thanks for listening, everyone. If you'd like this well enough to listen to the whole thing, tell somebody about it. Carefree Highway Revisited is on Apple, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our website is www.lightfootpodcast.com, and our Patreon page is www.patreon.com slash carefreehighwayrevisited. You can reach me, Mike Messner, at teachermike72 at gmail.com. Our next episode will be coming out on or about the first week in May, and we'll be talking about Circle of Steel from the Sundown album of 1974. Until then, this is Mike Messner reminding you, run for the roses, but don't forget to stop and smell them. We'll see you next time. Let me reach out, love and touch you. Let me hold you for a while. I've been all around the world. Oh, how I long to see you smile. There's a shadow on the moon and the waters here below do not shine the way they should and i love you just in case hey it's Paige desorbo from giggly squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to quince i'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters sleek leather jackets fine jewelry and so much more with quince being 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands and they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.